One, two, three. Do it. Oh, Case on a deep drop. Steps up in the pocket. He'll fire to the right side. Caught by Diggs. Stay up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Right, we're coming back in for another edition of the Scolders Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Brown Marco. With me, as always, my compatriot, Mike Anderson. How are you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, sir. Doing well. we got Victory Monday. We just got done with here. Um, feels good, man. Feels good to be back in the win column again after a tough Green Bay uh, loss week two. But uh, uh, we're here now with uh, Victory over Oakland. Um, but, you know, as always, before... We get into that. Let's take a little look around the league and uh, around the NFC North. What do you say? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So first thing I got, uh, Buffalo is three and zero. So who in their right minds thought thought this was going to happen? Uh, certainly not. Certainly not me. But you know, I've I've been uh, accused of not always being in the right mind. So um, you know, can't really fault me there. But I think uh, Josh Allen is, you know came to play and and we saw a little bit at the end of last year his ability to run the ball uh you know does make a a pretty substantial difference in the game and you know thus far they've they've really been having some luck right right and um you know we we just talked about this today at work as well because of the tie-breaking procedures between buffalo and new england buffalo is technically number one right now in their that division Really? This is this is how deep the tiebreaker goes. Um, it goes record, then I believe it's divisional record, then it's head-to-head if applicable, it's not, then it's common opponents, which that also is not applicable, and then it goes to strength of victory. So that's the combined um, win-loss of the teams you've beaten. And because the Giants got their first win this week as well, which we'll get to next, the teams that they have beaten have been one and eight combined versus New England's zero and nine combined. And thus you have a, a first place Bills team. And thus you have a first place Bills team. I think it's about the first time ever and probably the last time you'll be able to say it for um several weeks to come here, but you know, who knows? Maybe the Bills are gonna take us thing by storm. Hey, you never know. There's some other teams that uh we're about to talk about that are uh, you know, playing a little bit better than I think a lot of people thought they would. Exactly. So uh, one of those teams I think is probably about where everyone thought they were going to be, the Giants. Um, Obviously this week they made the decision to uh, sit down Eli Manning, start Daniel Jones. I think it's probably a little bit quicker than they wanted to. Um, But it seems like he gave them a spark. They got some stuff moving. Um, Saquon got hurt during the game, but they ended up eking out a win over a missed field goal from the Bucs at the last second there. Yeah, I think I saw they lose Saquon for uh, four to eight weeks, which, you know, benefits the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, we always talk about how we don't, uh, you know, we don't want injuries to happen really for any team, but it would appear that they will be without him uh, coming up here in a couple weeks. But uh, I think, yeah, Daniel Jones really injected some life into that team. And, you know, you see that from time and time again, right? You know, if, if you have an Eli Manning or a quarterback that's just consistently uh, not performing to a high level and you bring in someone young, uh, you know, you're seeing it a little bit with Jacksonville. You're seeing it now with with the Giants. I think Arizona is, is playing yep. a little bit better than a lot of people thought, Kyler Murray. So um, a quarterback can really... Uh, you know, inject some energy that that really flows throughout that entire team, and and uh, you know, I think it's unfortunate that Barkley's out, but uh, the Giants appear like, hey, maybe with with Jones at the helm, it might not be as easy a win as as a lot of teams might have thought. Absolutely, um, <clears throat> like you said, sometimes that, that young quarterback is just just what the team needs to kind of reinvigorate um, both sides of the ball. It seems like at times, so. Um, it'll be interesting to see where that develops. I, I know the Giants were mocked pretty hard for that pick. So, obviously, one game is not a, a huge indicator. But, I mean, if you're a Giants fan right now, you have to be a little bit relieved that he goes out there and, and he plays pretty good his first outing. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, Atlanta loses another close one. I even forget who they played, but uh, it was another close one. I think they lost by uh, four points. 
Yep. I mean, Atlanta, uh, I think Indianapolis, right? Uh, Indy, who continues to uh, be relevant without Andrew Luck. And, and yep. you know, it was a team that we were both really high on before the Luck retirement, and then a team that I still stuck with for that uh, for that division. And I believe right now they're sitting tied with the Texans on top of the AFC South. Uh, but, you know, difficult so far for Atlanta. Uh, you know, obviously losing week one to us and then uh, following that up now here with the Indy loss. I know they did get a win in between there, but it, it's tough right now, you know, uh, especially as we'll touch on with the Saints losing Breeze last week. I think it was a big opportunity for Atlanta to maybe step up and, and try to, you know, get a little separation here over the next few weeks. Uh, but this week they did just the opposite of that, uh, losing with New Orleans, uh, still able to pull out a win. Yeah, definitely going backwards. Uh, a team I think a lot of people thought were going to be a lot higher. Um, but, you know, sometimes it's when it's not New Year, it's not New Year. Uh, this start is definitely not helping them at all. So, um, another team in this division, Carolina. Um, Cam Newton's down, but apparently it doesn't matter. Yeah, they uh, they went in and, and trounced, uh, trounced Arizona, you know, on, on the road. So a good road win there. And the Kyle Allen, right, comes in. I believe he uh, came in last year and, and won a game towards the end of the season when Cam was shut down there for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and he certainly looked like the real deal. I believe he threw for, uh, I think, four touchdowns. Uh, so once again, you know, you, you have a guy that comes in, injects a little bit of life into a Carolina team that I still think will have some life in them and really spread, spread the ball around. Uh, just a, a, a big win for them on the road. Yep, um, and sticking within this division, next point we got, New Orleans staves off Seattle. Teddy Bridgewater playing some quarterback, um, slinging it. Uh, I mean, I, I don't think they asked him to do a lot, but he seemed, at least from the scoreboard, at least pretty comfortable in the system that they asked him to do. Yeah, I think he, you know, he didn't lose them the game by any means. Uh, I think he threw for a couple touchdowns. I actually watched most of this game. And uh, really a weird game. They had a punt return touchdown. They had a f- uh, fumble uh, return touchdown. And, you know, they were able to get some points up early in unique ways. And then Kamara had a really nice game running the ball. They were able to kind of manage their way uh, through and hang on uh, even at the end where, you know, uh, Russ really tried to bring them back. I think they put up 20 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, but ultimately they, you know, just just ran out of time. Uh, and it's a it's a big win for New Orleans, you know, without Breeze, certainly. Uh, one thing I'd like to note in this game, I think this is the first time that, at least that I've paid attention to, that uh, um, the Minneapolis Miracle rule was actually invoked here. Um, that being, I believe they got a touchdown as time was expiring in the fourth quarter, and when that happens, now the ruling is is you don't have to attempt a two-point conversion or the kick if it doesn't matter towards the outcome of the game. You can elect not to do it. Right. Before, yep. you, you were forced to. As we all know from the Minneapolis Miracle, you were forced to line up and do that play, which is completely stupid. Like, why Why does it matter? Right. Yep. Exactly. Um, so just a, just a tidbit for you there. Um, next one on the list, San Francisco. 3-0. and Beating Pittsburgh, they obviously are. not a super quality opponent this year. They're zero three without Big Ben, without without Bell, without uh, obviously without Antonio Brown. But um, San Francisco three and zero, kind of the start I think is ideal for them, especially not having um, Jet McKinnon again for this this whole year. So uh, look out NFC because because they're coming. Yeah, uh, you know, we talked about it last week, and and this was a team that, again, you know, we had some, uh, they had pretty high goals going into last year, and it it looks like they're uh, coming in now that they've got a little bit of health, uh, even though, yeah, you you don't have a McKinnon, but they've got some other backs that have have really filled in uh, and filled that hole for them, so they certainly look like the real deal, Uh, one of, I think, what, five teams without a loss in the NFC, Um, and then you have the Steelers, a team that you know, again, it appears like it's going to be a long year there. Uh, obviously, losing Big Ben for the year, the last piece of, of the killer bees, if you will. Um, I think they're really going to have to take a long, hard look at, at how they can right the ship in, you know, the next year or two and, and really turn 
turn things around because you have in that division a Baltimore team that's that's pretty young. Uh, looks the real deal with Lamar Jackson. You have Cleveland who, um, you know, they've struggled here a little bit to start this year, but I think overall Cleveland would, would probably be on the rise in the minds of many. Uh, and then you have a Bengals team that, you know, is unfortunately 0-3. They've played some good games this year. Uh, nobody really knows what's going on there. New coach, though. Um, but Pittsburgh right now is kind of cemented there at, uh, right along Cincinnati at the bottom of that division. Yeah, and uh, I don't see either of those two teams really moving um, anywhere close away from that, that position anytime soon. Right. Um, last one here I got on the list, and feel free to add more, but uh, Cleveland completely botches, I think, the end of this, this football game against uh, the Rams. Um, pretty tight game, tight, tighter than I would have expected. Um, it was within one possession the entire game. At the end of the game, you're looking at a punt, an interception, um, I think the Browns intercepted, and then another interception to, to end the game, I think, on the fourth down play. Um, just, yeah. I, I don't know what to say there. I, I think it's just the play calling was, was poor from Cleveland's side of the ball. It just it didn't make sense in, in the situations they were in. Yeah, I think what they had a fourth and nine, and they ran the ball. Uh, you know, it just, you know, maybe it's, it's part of the, the – Growing pains, if you will, for Cleveland. Um, certainly a game we would have loved for them to win to get the Rams a loss. Uh, but, you know, Cleveland's sitting at 1-2, and two and, and it's a team that, you know, was kind of a trendy Super Bowl pick. Uh, a lot of lot of talent there on, on both sides of the football, and, and thus far they have not lived up to expectations. Yeah, um, I think everyone and their mother was hyping these guys coming into this season. So it's, it's interesting, and it's, it also gives you just more more fodder to say, you know, don't buy into the hype, especially if you're the players of the team. You got to stay humble. You got to continue to work at it because you buy into the hype, and this is what you get. You get a team that that is severely underperforming to what you expect, um, and to what everyone else expects in that stadium. I mean, this team is one and two, and the hype would have you believe they would be five and zero oh, three weeks in. Right. So. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, anything else around the week before we get into the North Face, Mike? No, I don't think so. Let's get on. Let's get to the uh, the division that matters. The division that matters, the only one that matters, and looking like to be the toughest division. I think overall, the NFC North has got beyond the West. I think it's got the the highest total wins right now of any division, like the second total wins um, in any division. So, could be one more after the Bears get done playing here tonight, but. Start off with Green Bay. Um, this week they edged out uh, Denver. They didn't really look that great, honestly. Like their offense still does not look great. I mean, Denver is not a very strong defense, so you'd, you'd figure they'd put up more than twenty-seven points. Well, I think Denver still has some pieces there, right? To to try to generate pressure. Um, I would agree that you know Green Bay's defense continues to be. Um, maybe what's shining overall. I think the offense has, uh, you know, through some bad plays by whether it be the Vikings or the Broncos, been put into a couple situations that Aaron Rodgers has capitalized on. Uh, but I think that's the real question here is, is can Rodgers turn it around, you know, and, and can this offense play to a really high level to pair with what looks like um, a legitimate defense? Now, I know we're only through three weeks, but... Uh, certainly appears that all the, those investments on the defensive side of the ball uh, are going to pay dividends this year for Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. I'm um, just looking at the game breakdown because I didn't get a chance to watch this game, but you had almost two back-to-back touchdowns, one at the end of the half and one basically to start the second half, um, that were gained from fumbles by Denver. So Green Bay started on Denver's five, got a touchdown, and then after the, the the first possession of the third quarter, Denver fumbled at the uh, the thirty seven, and Green Bay punched it in from the thirty seven. So it was ten to ten before those two possessions happened, and, and you blinked and it was ten twenty four. Right. So I think I think Green Bay has a whole lot to think it's it's defense for. Same with uh, when they played the Vikes week two, you had their third touchdown there that came off of a fumble that, that gave him a 33-yard football field. So Right, exactly. Um, I think you're spot on there. I think their offense is, is definitely 
definitely weak. And as long as you can contain their defense and, and contain the mistakes against their defense, I, I think they're a very beatable team by almost any team in this league. Yeah, I mean, we got to hope that, uh, you know, they, they don't bring that offense to pair with that defense. I think, uh, you know, we'll touch on it here. They've got a really difficult week, uh, a short week coming up where they're going to play a Philadelphia team that uh, is probably not too thrilled, as we're about to touch on here with the Lions coming off a home loss to the Lions. So uh, this is a pretty big week for both Philadelphia and Green Bay, and, and uh, it should be a good one on Thursday night. Uh, is that game at Packers? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so let's jump into it because you mentioned it. Detroit upsets the Eagles 27-24. Um, I believe the Eagles got a blocked kick, a blocked punt near the end of this game and had a, a pretty solid chance to, to get a field goal, get in position for a field goal and just weren't able to. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, this one I was not able to watch uh, much of. So, um, you know, I'm not sure if, if that's the case, but. Uh, it's a big win for Detroit, right? Um, you come in and, and beat a Philadelphia Eagles team that uh, was a lot of people's pick uh, from an expert standpoint, so-called experts, to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC, and always a difficult place to play and win, uh, certainly in the last couple of years. So, uh, you know, this this is a really big win for Detroit, and I think it's probably a win that is going to uh, really instill in the players' minds that, hey, if we can continue to play like this, we've got a real shot to make some noise and, and potentially, you know, win the North or, or, you know, do a little damage in the playoffs even. Right. Obviously, I mean, this early in the season, it's kind of hard to gauge where teams are at, but, you know, they, they take, they take a, a tie against the Cardinals, who are 0-2-1. Um, they take a win against the Chargers, who are 1-2 uh, and two now. Um, and then now they take a win against the Eagles and put them down to one and two, uh, a pretty quality team, pretty quality opponent, well coached, um, almost every level they have playmakers. So um, I think, like you said, it's it's these are the, the kind of games you need to win. I mean, you can knock them for saying, "Oh, these games are close; they're just getting lucky in one of these games." Well, you know, sometimes it takes a little bit of luck to win some of these games. And if you if you get a lot of luck on your side, you end up stacking wins. You could see this team going eleven four and one, twelve uh, three and one. Easily. So, yeah. um, they're locked in right now to the number two spot in the division, and it's up to them if they want to relinquish that. Yep. No, it's uh, they're going to be a tough out, you know, and, and uh, assuming they maintain the health, it's it's a decently rounded football team. So, we'll get to see them here in a few weeks. Yes, we will. Yes, we will. All right. Last team on our list is Chicago. And they are playing right now against the Washington Washingtons. So <clears throat> they're currently up 21-0, to zero, so I don't think they're going to lose that game. Yeah, I would agree. Um, early pick six, and then I think they had uh, Washington missed a field goal, and they went down and scored there. So up 21-0, maybe Keenum's got some magic there, but, I mean, that's a pretty big hole to climb out of. Yeah, So I would agree. You know, we play Chicago next week, so I'm sure we'll hear plenty about that um, on the podcast network here going forward, But and we'll touch on it a little bit towards the end of the show here. But, I mean, Chicago still, to me, looks very beatable. As long as you can contain their pass rush and run on them well, which I believe the Vikings can. We'll touch on that more later. I mean, I'm not scared of anything on their offense. Nothing there, like, gives me chills down my spine. You, you yeah, can get I, after I think. Trubisky. Yeah, I think you got to get after Trubisky. Uh, you know, they do have some talent at the running back position, but if Trubisky can't get it going, you know, it, it's hard to be one dimensional. Now, uh, Minnesota is is trying to prove that you can be, but uh, you know, the big thing there is it's tough to win in Chicago. Yep. Uh, we we historically have struggled. I think I looked and we're like three and fifteen in our last eighteen trips down there, and. It's just a tough place for whatever reason for the Vikings to go win. So, uh, you know, as you mentioned a little bit more on that at the very end here when we preview, but uh, it looks like that's going to be a pretty big game with uh, both teams being 2-1, and one, I believe. Yes, yes, we'll both walk into that being 2-1. and one. So you can easily see this being a, f- a fight for the division if Green Bay uh, 
ends up taking a loss to uh, to the Eagles. Like we said in Detroit, who is Detroit, who's Detroit playing next week? Um, Kansas City. So you can easily see Detroit two one and one, Green or Green Bay three and one, and whoever wins between Minnesota Chicago is currently the, the top of the North. Yep. So yep, exactly. It'll be interesting to see exactly how that breaks down. But anything else with the North face before we close that out and start getting the Vikings recap? No, let's uh, let's jump into the Vikes. Big win. Big win at home. Uh, pretty much the same blueprint as we did um, versus Atlanta, um, which was nice. You know, get up early, get a good lead, just pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. I think in the fourth quarter we didn't really throw a pass at all because we didn't need to. Um, but starting off with special teams, uh, Chad Beebe, another muff punt. I think there was at least one. I thought there might have been two that were kind of sketch. So... I don't know where we go going forward there. I mean, I, I don't think we're going to be in a situation where we're going to bring back Sheryls, even though, you know, he's a free agent and available. I just don't see us doing that. And I don't see who we put back there. I mean, maybe Hughes is back now, so maybe we test that out a little bit. I I don't know. It's But especially with BB being hurt, we'll touch on that in a second here, but with him being hurt, who's your, who's your backup guy there? Is it Abdul? You have him do both kick returns and punt returns? You know, it's, going forward, I don't think BB is going to be the guy at punt returner very, very much longer if he keeps on muffing these punts. Yeah, you know, I don't know if you do. Uh, I mean, that would be the first one that jumps out to me, right? It, it'd be Amir Abdullah, um, maybe a Mike Boone. You know, maybe a. I think we we entertained, uh, you know, BC Johnson a little bit. But I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I would agree with you. It's a bit concerning here that you know we've had a couple muffs, and you just can't afford. This team can't afford to. No team really in the NFL uh, to turn the ball over right there because typically it's going to mean great field position for that other team. Um, and you know it, it looks like they might need to make a change there. Who that is, I'm not sure. I'm assuming that's going to be a uh, something they're going to work on quite a bit this week in practice. Yep. Uh, not sure if they're going to give him, you know, one more look and just and say, listen, um, you know, kind of last last chance here, or if you just make the change right now. Like I said, I think I think part of that might be solved because it, it sounded like he got carted off the field somewhere late in the game. So I think he injured an ankle or something. But I, I wasn't able to gather much information from that. So we'll see exactly where that pans out. So it, we might be forced to make the decision. And then that decision might just pan out to be he's strong enough as a punt returner. We'll just keep him there and BB, you're not doing it anymore. Right, right. Um, second point on special teams, Bailey was actually solid. No missed kicks. He was. Had two field he goals, was. I believe, right? Two field goals, four extra points. Uh, yes, yes. So... Uh, 50 yarder and I think like a 30 something yarder, four extra points. Um, you know, did a great job there. And I guess it's, you know, if you saw our, our exchange on Twitter, not something I've necessarily been worried about. I think, you know, Bailey should continue to get better and better. Now, uh, BB was doing, uh, no, he wasn't anymore, right? It's, uh, we don't have him as a part of that package. So, no, nope, it's, a huge it's loss there. that's holding there. Right. Okay. So, you know, you don't really lose anything there. And uh, it's just nice to see. I mean, you know, we're going to need him probably this week uh, coming up against the Bears. Uh, I would expect that to be a much tighter game than the 20-point victory we saw here on Sunday. So um, those are the games where you really need him to come out and and make sure that those field goals are going in. Absolutely. Small point to that as well. Daniel Carlson doinking a 51-yarder off the right upright. Um I don't know what it is, if it's just U.S. Bank Stadium or just being around Vikings players that he just he can't make them, but I think that broke a streak of like 17 for the last 17, something like that. I think I think I saw he was 18 for 19 overall uh, from for field goals since you know the Raiders picked him up, but uh, yeah, that was kind of fun. I know you could hear kind of the booing, and then he hit the upright and the cheering, and you know, it's... Yeah. It is what it is. You probably we probably didn't need the fans to necessarily do that, but uh, you know it's it, the only reason, you understand the only reason why the, I say it, it's it's okay is because like he basically cost us playoffs last year, 
no matter how you want to shake it out, if, if we don't tie versus Green Bay, we're 9-7 and seven and we get a playoff spot. So yeah, he cost us the playoffs last year. You know, what he's done since, hey, great for the guy. You know what, go have your career fine. But when you're in my stadium and you miss a 51-yarder off the upright, you're damn right about a cheer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, all right. <clears throat> Special teams wrapped up there. Um, don't think there's much else to talk about there. So after this break, we'll get into the offense, the defense, and a little bit of a, a Bears preview. All right, we are coming right back in here. Um, talking about the offense now. Um, Vikings versus Raiders recap. Um, so, as we know, he um, didn't have a great quarterback out in against Green Bay. I think the first drive in this game was kind of a microcosm of, of Kirk Cousins and being able to kind of get over that hump and, and maybe right himself a little bit mentally and, and going forward. You know, I, I think the first play from scrimmage the Vikings had was kind of a, a botched handoff kind of fumble type thing, right? Um, so, yeah. You do that, and then you go down and, and, and you you roll towards the touchdown. You start making some nice throws there on, on some third downs. I think we got a little bit of help with the penalty on, on the third down, um, which, you know, sometimes you need that, and, and that's what it takes to, to get you down the field. Happens to every team. But I think it was a great rebound drive, uh, you know, from the abysmal performance we had last week on offense. Um, <laughs> I mean – that's all I got to say about it. It's just, I think, a great way to start out the game and to continue to get Delvin rolling. Yeah, I mean, it was really, you know, Delvin, again, as a common theme here, he's just been unreal. Uh, I believe he's got the most rushing yards in the NFL thus far through three games. Uh, By a pretty healthy margin, what, three, too. Three for three and a 100-yard rushing games. Um, and he just looks ridiculously fast. And he had the, I'm sure you've seen the run where he made a couple of, uh, really substantial cuts and, and made some of the Raiders secondary players look, look pretty silly. Um, but Delvin got it going right away. You know, a couple five yard runs, uh, cousins was able to find digs. Uh, I believe he also followed Irv Smith, I think right out the gate. And then ultimately, uh, you know, throwing a nice pass to Thielen. Actually, I thought one of his nicer throws, uh, to the right corner of the end zone for, I think it was what a 35 ish yard touchdown. And Bailey comes in, kicks that extra point, boom, three and a half minutes into the game, uh, Vikes are up 7 nothing, And, you know, luckily at that point, defense comes in, uh, you know, force a big three and out, and we start rolling again. But back to your point, yeah, I think Cousins comes out, kind of, you know, trips over himself or over the lineman there, and everyone's got it, you know, well, here yeah. we go again, here we go again. and But right down the field he goes. I think that was great for all involved. Um, and ultimately, it, it pretty much continued for the rest of the game. Yeah, Del- Delvin's so fast. Yeah, he, he's so fast, he makes fast people look not fast. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I couldn't say more about... We, we could do an entire podcast on Delvin Cook. I mean, the kid is just special. His vision and the way he cuts and the way he's, he's resistant to tackling is just... It's amazing. And what we've done with Dennison and Kubiak in this, this run game system has been nothing short of a, revel- a revelation. I think last year we were with like 32nd in rushing, and this year I think we're the number one rushing attack. So that turnaround is not just personnel, because we only have one new lineman, well, two new linemen with Klein, but it, it's not all personnel. Delvin was there last year. Most of our line was here last year. It's it's the scheme. It's the play calls. It's all of that whole package working together, and we see the results once this gets rolling. And we haven't faced a team yet that can stop it. Right, and I think we'll we'll get a good test here uh, next week, right? You know, you're going to get uh, a pretty solid defense in Green Bay up front. And, Chicago. you know, I believe they've been difficult to run against. So um, I'm excited to see that matchup here on, on Sunday afternoon. But, yeah, thus far the Vikings have looked uh, really unstoppable from the run game. And ultimately, you know, I think everyone listening probably agrees – had we just run the ball one or two more times last week, you know, this is probably a 3-0 and football team uh, that's really been unstoppable rushing that ball. I look at it this way. The Vikings defense and more or less the offense with the run game has been dominant 11 out of 12 quarters of football this year. Completely dominant. I don't think you can argue that. There's, there's one quarter on defense where we gave up 21 points. Everything else was in garbage time. Yep. So this team is, is incredibly good. And I think one bad game against a divisional opponent on the road 
isn't really going to move the needle for me at this point. Right. Right. So, like I said, we got to take we got to take care of business with Chicago. We'll get into that in a moment here. Um, like I said, Delvin Cook special. Moving on though to what's making Delvin Cook special, the O line man Bradbury posted an ever increasing grade. He's getting better and better each each uh, each week here. And uh, Klein, who was removed from the game with a concussion, has also been completely the, the player that we thought he was um, when we signed him in free agency from Tennessee. Um, so I think those two pickups right there alone are, are what's kind of driving this line in run blocking and also bolstering it in pass blocking. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think again, you're the, you're the offensive line guy. Uh, you know, it's it's been it's been good enough. Uh, it's obviously excelled from a from a rushing standpoint, and I, I'll be really curious. If we're going to touch on here a little bit. Uh, down the bullet points on on the passing game, uh, you know, what is this going to look like going forward? Um, you know, is it sustainable to continue to try to run like this for 16 games? Uh, or do you worry about, you know, your team breaking down, Delvin breaking down, the offensive line breaking down? Um, you know, I, I got a couple questions here I'm going to throw you as we get to that point. But, but I mean, thus far, they've really done a great job uh, from from a, you know, rushing standpoint. Right, um, and you know, it's the only time will tell if that, if that continue. I think it can. Uh, fan question here, uh, as we're talking about O-line, um, the reader is concerned, or listener is concerned, that we drafted the wrong O-line in round one. Bradbury might lack strength and gain more weight in the next offseason, but in the end it comes down to if he can handle the DTs in this league, and honestly, I think the answer is he can't. Change my opinion with your optimism. Here's the thing. He can, because the lows we've seen haven't been that low, but the highs we've seen have been super high. So, obviously, you want consistency out of your own line. You want them to consistently be beating and and, um, handling those guys. But when you're looking at this thing as a whole, you've seen through three games, you've seen him progress, get better in each facet of the game. You've seen him win more often in each facet of the game, and you've seen him get stronger in each facet of the game. So you give this guy a complete offseason where he can actually get strength and he can handle these guys' bull rush, I think I think you're going to see an amazing center in this league. Like I said, like I've said before in this podcast, Jason Kelsey level center. I think that's where this guy is headed. He's got the technique. He's got the mentality. He's got the instincts when it gets to the second level to make those blocks, to, to sometimes even take two defenders out of the play with just how he's blocking the play. So he's got the instincts. He's got the technique. Those are the hard things to teach. If he already knows well, how to do those, the next bit is strength, and you can gain that. Well, and listen, he he's done it at a high level, right? He, he's, a, I think, a four-year starter in college, ended up winning the best center in college football last year before he came out. Uh, this is a guy that's played against um, you know some, some good college teams. So I think uh, I understand the concern, but you also – need to look at the fact that we've played against some some pretty damn good uh, defensive tackles through the first couple weeks here, and it's it's certainly not going to get much easier uh, coming into this week, but um, I think, you know, give the young man some time to develop. Yes. Uh, I think he's going to get better and better. He seems like the kind of guy that is going to get better and better every single week and, and learn from his play every single week. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm optimistic. I'm with you. Uh, I think we made the right decision in round one, and, and I think it's really going to pay dividends for years down the road. Absolutely. I mean, if, if this is a guy you can plug in here for the next decade, I I, I think you're set here, man. This this is I think this is everything we we thought Burke was going to – not Burke. Um, uh, Khalil was going to be like a, a blue-chip guy that you could plug in for the next decade, decade and a half, and be done with it, not have to touch that position again. So. Time will tell, obviously, but I feel really good about about the pick. I love the pick when we made it, so, you know, we just got to keep rolling, keep improving for for Bradbury. Yep. Um, next point here, Irv Smith breaks out, man. Had a couple nice catches, stretched, stretched the field a little bit. Yeah, uh, he had a great game, right? Uh, ended up playing close to 50% of the offensive snaps. Um, certainly not quite to Kyle Rudolph. I think Rudolph was up around 87 uh, 
But Irv Smith looked good. He looked fast. He looked looked athletic. Um, I believe he led the team in receiving yards. And he also, um, his biggest play, I believe, was called back from a penalty. Uh, So Three for 60, and then it would have been even more, like you said, with that penalty. Yeah, I think that one that got called back was close to a 30-yard gain as well. So, um, yeah, great play, great playing by him. I think we touched on it in the, the... preseason basically saying that we envisioned him making a few big catches this year uh you know in some big spots but you know after watching this game my question to you is do you think that uh, hey the Vikings are seeing this day in and day out in practice and and maybe they're going to try to carve out a bigger role going forward I think right now if you look at the hole that's in the wide receiver three position especially if BB misses significant time going forward I don't see how you don't get him more involved because clearly he's got the speed to get downfield like a wide receiver. So I, I don't know why you wouldn't leverage that. Because you can put him in packages where a normal tight end will line up, and then he can just break loose. He's not like a Kyle Rudolph who, no offense to Kyle Rudolph, but he's not fast. He's not. He just isn't as fast as Irv. Irv can beat him in a foot race all day long and twice on Sunday. Right. So, right. yeah, I, I think I think you definitely put him into more packages where he's reading as that wide receiver three with the alignment maybe shifting a little bit. And, you know, and I, I just, I only see this getting getting better. I mean, obviously, if you're sitting here and he's your top receiver, either Thielen and Diggs are completely covered or I, I don't know what's going on there. But, you know, as long as he's making plays, he's making catches, he ain't, he ain't not doing bad things like drops and fumbles. Keep feeding the guy. He can clearly go get the ball. Yeah, I, you know, I think that Oakland probably didn't plan on – him having as big a role as he did. Uh, so I don't know if it caught them a little bit off guard. I would I would say certainly he'll be a little bit more on teams' radars going forward. Uh, but, you know, I think you nailed it, right? Regardless of Chad Beebe's injury, which it looks like um, nothing broken, but he's uh, had an MRI today. We'll probably get some of that uh, results back tomorrow. Um, but I think you look at BB and, and, and Ola B.C. Johnson playing about 20% of the snaps. So we're not running, you know three receiver sets all the time. So assuming you can keep Thielen and Diggs healthy uh, and you're going to continue to work maybe two tight end sets with, with Rudolph and Irv Smith, or maybe you move Irv Smith in um, and you use him a little bit more like a receiver. I love that. Uh, but when you watch that game on Sunday, he stood out. I mean, he definitely stood out on the field. You could see he was athletic. He's fast, um, not afraid to hit people. And I, I just really, really loved what I saw. Um, it looks like, I mean, I know it's one game, but it certainly looks like he might be a pretty dynamic player for, for the Vikings going forward. And in some games, we're probably going to need him a lot more than we used him this game. You know, like we yep. said, it's going to be those third down catches that he's going to excel at. All right. Yep. yep. Next bit here. Do I have any concerns with Diggs stealing taking a backseat to Delvin going forward? Was, it, was this a fan question or you're just a question to me? No, this was more a question to me, and I, and I mean... You know, I think it kind of goes along the lines of uh, the run game, right, and, and wearing down either the O-line or, or Dalvin himself. And if they truly are going to move to more of a, a game manager role for Cousins, which is kind of what it was this week, right? Um, they didn't really have Cousins go out and win us the game, so to speak. Uh, you know, do you see any sort of I, – I don't really get the, the diva vibe with Thielen and Diggs, but, no. you know, if they're only going to be going out and, and I mean – Diggs had, I think, one catch last week, maybe three this week, and I know he was targeted a lot more last week and should have had a huge game against Green Bay, but um, if these guys are only going to be catching two to four or five passes a game, A, do you think that that's actually something that's going to happen continuing going forward? And B, if that is the case, uh, do you envision you know any sort of issues with that? I guess, I guess with Diggs, I mean, <clears throat> if I envision any problems, I think it's with Diggs, but I, I, at the end of the day, if we're winning by just pounding the ball and and he doesn't need to have more than a couple catches a game, I think he'll be fine with that. I don't read him as a player who's going to be, you know, causing the storm because he's not getting 6, 7, 8 catches a game. I just don't I just don't see that in his character. Obviously, I know he's okay. he's a wide receiver, he's a skill player. He wants the ball. All of them do. Um especially Thielen like I have no concerns with Thielen. Thielen is a team guy. He understands that like as long as we're getting wins, it doesn't matter. Um so Long term, I don't see their personalities causing any issue. Now, as far as wearing the uh, the O line out, <clears throat> I don't see any concern with that because honestly, 
it probably invigorates them the more you can move the ball with uh, with running. They're probably more than happy to just do that and watch Delvin make cuts downfield. Sure. Pass blocking's rough. <laughs> and if you right. if you right. if you you know let your guy get sacked, let your guy get hit, all of a sudden now you you're just like you're in the mental game against yourself. Like so, as far as that, I'm not really concerned about that long term. The only thing I'm concerned about is Delvin Cook's health long term. But it seems like we're doing a pretty good mix of Delvin and Madison. So um, they're both running pretty effectively. I think Delvin in this game, 6.9 yards per carry, uh, Madison 4.8. So uh, they're both extremely effective with the ball. Um, Either one of them, I think, can run behind this line in this scheme. Yeah, no, I I would agree. Madison continue to look, um, you know, excellent. And I think we've got a great one-two punch. And, uh, you know, let's just hope that we can really maintain the health of those two guys. Um, I'm assuming as we move forward, uh, they'll probably try to get Madison some more reps, especially in games like this, right? You got a 20 point lead, uh, get Delvin out of the game, keep those legs fresh and, you know, let Madison continue to get more and more experience. Um, you know, I think a lot of times, whether it be with Irv Smith, with Madison, you're going to have these guys that are going to have a fumble here or there. Uh, you know, they kind of got to go through that to, to, learn a little bit more about that ball security. It's pretty rare for a player just to come into the league, um, you know, not lose one or two and understand the importance. So um, that's that's one of those things where like you kind of have to make the mistake to kind of learn from it. Yep. And I think that those things can happen. Hopefully we're in some scenarios like we were last week um, where if they do happen, you know, they're happening when you got a 20 point lead at home, uh, they learn from it. And, you know, we don't see it down the road when we've got some big games here uh, later in the season. Exactly, exactly. Um, all right, so another fan question here we had. Wide receiver depth going forward, do we add someone regardless of BB's injury status? Um, I would say yes. Uh, it just makes sense right now because I think on Sunday the only reserve wide receiver we had was BC Johnson. So yeah. I think if BB's out, you need to have someone else in there because injuries happen can happen pretty quick. And you lose two of those guys, all of a sudden now you're down to one wide receiver and a tight end that's maybe sometimes a wide receiver. So I wouldn't be surprised if we elevate someone from the practice squad, bring them in. Um, But, yeah, I I would expect us to sign in a wide receiver. Yeah, I would agree with you. I think the fact that they've already been looking, it seems like every week they're working out different receivers. Uh, Seems like this was already something on their radar. Uh, I know the question is regardless of BB's injury status, but um, I think I tend to agree with you here that you probably need to get one one other guy in, uh, you know, regardless of how that shakes out, you know, if he misses time or not. Exactly. Um, I think also on the offense, Mike, for a move on the defense. No, offense looked good. I think uh, big test, right, coming up this week against Chicago, uh, which should be a, a much better defense than we faced here with Oakland. So... Uh, let's let's keep it moving. Let's keep getting better, and hopefully Cousins, um, you know, can just keep building. That's what we need. Yeah, I, I put this out on Twitter, and uh, it got some mixed reactions. But um, at least my psychoanalysis of Cousins in Green Bay was he gets outside of his own decision-making process when he thinks he needs to make a big play, and he needs to stop doing that. Beat Kirk Cousins. 100% of the time. We don't need you to change your the math. We don't need you to change the equation in your head of, of what goes into your decisions when it's a it's a big situation like that. All right. So to to put the analogy in in my field, so I'm an engineer, right? So almost everything I do has got some kind of equation linked to it. And I have a whole bunch of little dials that I can turn on that equation based on, you know, what what area I'm in, what kind of um, stuff I'm designing, what have you. And I, I only tweak those knobs just a little bit. I tweak those knobs a little bit to get uh, the situation, what it is with me, and then I, I, I get the, the answer out of it. It seems like what Cousins does is he cranks one of those knobs to, to 27 when he just needs to just dial it just a little bit. Just change it a little bit. Right. Like, just right. don't get out of your own your own self. Play your game. If you play Kirk Cousins' game, we can win a lot of football games. Just don't get, out, don't get outside yourself. Yep. I think that's fair. Uh, you know, I, I certainly think that there 
there will be times when he's going to have to harness that, uh, you know, in, in bigger moment games that are close. You know, we're going to need him to step up and make some throws and, and step outside of that game manager box. Um, but I think let's let's just have him do that when it's needed, right? Let's let's continue to run the ball like we are, take control of the games, and win as much as we can uh, with that methodology. But ultimately, you know as, uh, as well as I do that there's probably going to come a time here where, hey, we're going to need Cousins to go out and, and, you know, make some throws. And I think getting the $84 million, you know, that, that's not too much to ask. And, and since you and I both kind of ranted about him, uh, he's one for one. You know, I, I think overall we're fine with how he played. I know there was a couple throws that it's like, eh, that could have been better. But um, I'm not going to get too nitty gritty yet since we won by 20. Right. If he throws another egg up uh, against Chicago, then we can delve into that. But that's a different podcast. All right, yep. moving on to defense. Um, so, coming off of last week, the Vikings had 11 scoreless drives on defense against Green Bay coming off of that game. We had three coming into um, Oakland here um, and went up the same way that Green Bay went up on us, 21-0. So... This defense started fast, and at a certain point, they're they're protecting a three possession lead, almost a three possession lead the entire game. Um, that's exactly the start we needed. And here's the yeah. thing: we didn't even have Bart. You didn't even have a main piece of your defense, and we right. still were able to lock it down like this. Yep. No, I, I think the defenses looked great for the most part. Uh, it's fun when they get a, a nice lead like that because you can see then they do a few different things scheme-wise. You know, they try to do disguise blitzes certain ways, and, and they can really wreak havoc uh, on teams that just aren't prepared for it. And, and it's fun. Let's hope that we can continue to put them in situations like that because it leads to a Harrison Smith interception. It leads to, you know, a, a sack from Everson and from Daniil. It's It's it just continues to kind of compound itself and, and get better and better. But um, certainly no bar. Uh, Eric Wilson played a, a wonderful game. I think he had uh, two sacks, like a, seven solo tackles, just a, sacks, a great game all two around. Two tackles for loss. I mean, he was all over the field. Just, I mean, honestly, he should be starting over getting at this point. He's had two solid outings where he's been, if not the highest uh, rated defender, pretty damn close. He deserves to be yeah. on the field at this point, and he's proven it. Well, and I mean, it's just great to see, right? To to maintain that depth, and you know, bars out this week, you 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 tend to have guys miss time in that linebacker role, a game here or there. Uh, so to know that that we have the depth we do in most of the positions, granted, we're testing that depth a little bit at, at cornerback, um, you know, but hopefully we get. Mac Alexander back soon, and, and obviously the return of Mike Hughes this week was huge. Um, you know, I know that's the next point here. Mike Hughes came in for the most part, uh, looked like didn't really have any limitations, played a, a majority of that game. Yep. Um, and, and that's a good thing to see because I think the sooner we can get him playing at a high level, uh, it's just going to, you know, kind of lessen the, the load on the rest of those DBs. Yeah, so uh, another thing with Mike Hughes here, I mean, he did have a brace on the knee, which, you know, I'm completely fine with as long as it doesn't limit your mobility, whatever you got to do to feel comfortable. Um, same thing with, like, you look at, like, a Matt Ryan. Uh, he's had ACL before. He wears a brace on his knee completely. You don't see him limited at all with his movement. It's just a precautionary thing. If that's what he's got to wear, you know what? Yeah, I think he did just fine. Um, bringing up his grade here. I think coming back, he didn't have the best graded game. Um, only 40 on PFF, not great in coverage, not great tackling, pretty decent run defense. Um, but, you know, you got to get him back up to game speed at some point. I think this is the game to do it in. Obviously, uh, a little bit weaker of an opponent. We kind of all understood that going through, going in here. So, um, great game to get him started on, I think. Yep, can agree more. Um, let's see. One fan question here related to the, the secondary. Um, how many more touchdowns is Nate Metters going to hand out this season? <laughs> yeah, so uh. here's the thing. All right, so I think he gave up one touchdown versus Green Bay, um, which is understandable because in that Green Bay game, we didn't have Hughes back. Um, Mac Alexander was still down, so we were pretty depleted on the DB side of things. Yeah. I think this one, when he, he gave, up, gave it up in this one, I believe – 
it was the game was over. I don't think it was the early touchdown, but the game was over. It's put away. So right. garbage time touchdown. Whatever you're playing soft. And I mean, if you actually look at Nate Metter's grades, um, they're not horrible. They really aren't. So I don't know. It's I don't know. Seven <laughs> more touchdowns going to give up this year. But if we're winning by this kind of margin, doesn't matter. It's garbage time. Well, and I think you got to look at, right, we get Mike Hughes back. Uh, last week, you're down Mac Alexander. You're down Mike Hughes. Um, you know, you get one of those two pieces back. I think Alexander will probably be back in the near future. Um, you know, so I think he only played eight plays already this week as is. And, mm-hmm. you know, if we can continue to get healthy, um, not only do you hope that he just learns from these mistakes, like you're mentioning now, if the grades aren't that bad, uh, but also, you know, I can't imagine him out on the field in, in big play moments that often, uh, no. assuming we can stay healthy, you know. And, I mean, if you look at a guy like Eric Wilson, I mean, you're really not going to be going to Nate Murders unless you're, like, three deep on injuries. And I don't even know why he was in this game um, early if he was. There's no reason for that. Um, so, it, it's a backup. What do you expect? He's got to learn somehow. And he's going to give up some stuff while he learns. So, Yep. Um, yep. All right, moving on. <clears throat> Everson and Daniil cause havoc. Nine combined pressures between these two. I think two combined sacks between the two. Um, just impressive. Uh, for whatever reason, PFF only credited one sack to Eric Wilson, so I don't know what the discrepancy is there. But um, <laughs> Daniil Hunter, Everson Griffin, Everson Griffin looking every bit his, his old self. Um, just these two are absolutely crushing it. And... It's great to have these two on the Vikings team. Yeah, they're they're just absolute monsters, uh, and and their speed and dominance just again allows everyone else on this defense to continue to do some unique things and also make big plays. So uh, I would say that for me, having Everson back to uh, the level that he's at right now is probably uh, you know the biggest biggest thing for me on this defense um you know biggest takeaway so far through three games is i did not expect that and it's a it's a game changer so uh I, and i don't really see any reason that we're going to lose that i think he's back to playing at an extremely high level um you know i know we've had some issues in the past as we get later in the season um i think he had what a foot injury uh, yep. that slowed him a little bit a knee injury so uh let's hope that you know we can again try to keep him healthy for the long run but man, is it fun to watch those two come off the edge, uh, you know? And then you surround it with everyone else that has the the defensive playmaking abilities that this defense does, and it's just it's almost more fun to watch them on defense than it is to watch the Vikings on offense. Yeah, which is uh, <clears throat> you know, for great defensive teams, I think is what you want to see. But you obviously want to see your offense putting up points, so it's kind of a fifty-fifty there. You you don't want to see it, but you do because it's so damn exciting, like you said. Um, Yep. Just to see some of the exotic stuff that, that Zimmer does with the defense. Um, any other points for the defense here, Mike, before we get into Chicago predictions and our last question here? Uh, any other points for the defense? Sorry. Yeah. No, I, I think uh, defense continuing to play at a high level. Um, I think we're going to need them to play at a high level here coming into Chicago. Uh, you know, Again, it's probably not going to be a 34-point uh game for the for the Vikings offense I wouldn't think so uh let's just keep it rolling and and hopefully we get you know the last couple of guys back um and I'm just excited to watch them every Sunday absolutely um all right <clears throat> so I'm pretty sure this last viewer question was intended to be a joke but we're gonna answer it anyway because you know what that's what we do here um here's the question if you die during the process of atoning for something awful you did how far along in your penance must you be for your soul to be at peace is there an ideal percentage, or is a sincere intention enough? Hmm. So for me, I think you know, intent is really what drives uh, what a person does, and, and you know how a person is viewed. So, um, if your intention is to fully atone for something, and and you've worked towards that, and you die during that, I think you're good. I don't think there's a percentage. That, you know, I think it's just like, yeah, if you intended to, you're gonna follow through with it. You're good. Yeah, you know what? I I think uh, I think I agree with that. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with you on that one. Yeah. So so basically you just basically you ticked the meter just a tiny bit and you're good because you intended to and you know sucks that you died but hey at least your soul's gonna be at peace right. That's right. 
All right. Chicago predictions, Mike. So, yeah. like you said earlier, something like 3-15 and 15 in their last trips to Chicago, so obviously tough place to play. Um, doesn't really change, but um, at least we get them early in the season, so it's not going to be super super cold. So um, it should be a fun game. A lot of things we we gotta we gotta try to do. We gotta try to stop their pass rush. Hopefully, establish the run as best as we can, um, and just kind of limit the mistakes that uh, Kirk Cousins has access to. Yeah, I think you know you nailed it there. We need to. Uh, Try to, I mean, basically mirror the game plan this week, right? Um, just have a nice drive, get some points on the board early. Hopefully that allows the defense to settle in. Uh, obviously we've seen Trubisky when he gets flustered is not a very good quarterback. Uh, you know, if you can kind of take the wind out of his sails early, um, I think it's a great opportunity then to just continue to build on it, build on it, build on it. Uh, but then we've seen the other side of things too, right? Right now they're up 28-3, Trubisky's 21 for 24 with three touchdowns. Um, so you need to avoid, you know, the ability for him to get it going. Uh, and, and ultimately cousins needs to go win a, a big time divisional game on the road. He's got to prove it. He's going to be facing off against a, a winning team, which we all know is record there against winning teams. It's, it's kind of a semi prime game because it's in the, the afternoon slot. So this is going to be shown on a lot of television screens. So what can you do when we call on you to make that third down throw? to make that, that long catch, to maybe put us uh, tied with them. What can you do? Because we're going to need it this game. I, I have a feeling we're going to need some a pretty solid game from Cousins and no mistakes. Yep, I, I would I would certainly agree with that. So so I think Chicago we'll is favored see. currently by two and a half points. So what do you got score prediction, Mike? Uh, I am going to go with 20... To seventeen, and I'm I'm picking the Bears to win. What? I just I mean, until we we were three and fifteen in the last eighteen, there Cousins has not gone out and, and really won that big game for me. Uh, and the combination of those two things, I mean, I, I just listen. If if Chicago's going to be favored. What reasoning would I have based on our past here, recent history, past history? Uh, and then you look at Cousins, and until I said it last week on the podcast, until he goes out and actually does these things, I'm done, you know, standing up, sticking out, saying, I think this is the game Cousins goes and gets it done. I'm not going to say that anymore. So I think we need Cousins to play really well and go get this game. And you don't but think you will. I've had nothing, I've had nothing from him to, to show and give me reason that he will do it. So, I, unfortunately, I, I've got the Bears winning this one. I think it'll be close, though. All right, you got the Bears winning. I'm going to go the opposite direction, but I think this is going to be an extremely tight game. I think it's going to come down to a Dan Bailey field goal, which I'm probably going to eat my words here, which I think he's going to nail, like a 54-yarder as time expires nice. to win this game. Um, bikes 13-10. to 10. Um, I, I think Cousins is just going to get shut down all day. But we're going to be able to run the ball effectively enough uh, to kind of eat clock, and it's going to be the same on defense where we're not allowing them to get much. They're going to get some kind of a cheap touchdown because of some kind of penalty. Um, I'm getting very specific here because this is how it always seems to go. Um, and it's going to be 13-10 to 10 Vikes. It's going to be a tough win, but I feel like we're going to edge it. I, just, I have zero faith in the Bears' offense to do anything against our defense. But on the contrary, I also have very little faith in our offense to be able to move effectively against this Bears defense. So, okay. both games we're predicting within a field goal, and uh, somehow you're just going against the Vikings here. I just I can't believe it, Mike. But hey. have to take away your Scolders card here. I don't know. I'm not uh, not here to be the homer. You know, I got to be realistic, and and I need them to step up and show me something, and and. Uh, I can't keep just expecting them to do it. I actually need to see it happen, and uh, hopefully they prove me wrong. I've been joking. I, I was going to put some money down on the Bears to win this game, so I'm happy either way. The Vikes lose, yeah. at least I win some money. So I might, I might have to do that. You know, We'll find out. We'll see. There you go. Um, anything else here, Mike? Cross the board. Oakland recap. Um, Chicago preview. Anything. Uh, no, I think it's a big game. Uh, I want to see you know uh, continued effort, continued success. 
no lapses on either side of the ball. Let's clean up the special teams. I think penalties, we didn't touch on that. Um, again, this week, we had a, a fair amount of penalties. So uh, I don't believe it was at the 10, the double-digit number that they had been averaging, but I think they still had six or seven penalties. So um, still need to continue to, to clean that up. Obviously took a big big play off the board for Irv Smith. Uh, and a couple other times that, uh, that was a problem. So uh, that would be the only other thing that uh, just popped into my head. Let, let's try to clean that up. Absolutely, 100% agree. Um, but we'll find out if we can. Uh, and just, you know, a few short days here. We're going to be there. Um, and, and we'll know exactly what, what what's at stake by the time we play. So um, that's going to do it for us here at Scolders Podcast. Um, part of the Climate Pocket Network on Daily Norseman right now. All your all your podcast locations. I almost said all your iTunes locations. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify, all those places were there. I'm at Namok7. I am musky underscore Mike. On the Twitter, um, I put out there before we do this, I put it out a little bit later today than I usually do, but um, they give us questions, so continue to give us these questions. I think we, we love answering these questions, at least I know I do. Um, it's good to interact with you guys, see what you guys are concerned about, and, and try to either put your concerns at rest or, you know, to kind of raise the valid questions that you guys are raising. So um, continue to do that, but I think that's it, Mike. You know, Skull Vikes, let's go get it here. Yeah, big game, Skull.